Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nice to Meet You. This is your host, Simone, and this is a podcast of conversations with friends and strangers where we talk about life and lessons learned along the way. Today, we have with us Annie, and Andy, if you could introduce yourself and tell everybody how we met. Yeah, my name's Annie Newman. Um, Simone and I met through my husband, Chris, who is her cousin. Wait, no, he is your first second cousin that is what he is right yeah he's your second or third maybe I'm not sure (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's your second cousin um your your mom and his mom are cousins which make you guys second cousins anyway little little sidetrack there um but that is how we met um I am a farmer and a writer and a mom of two little girls and two pit bulls if (laughs) they break through the audio in this (laughs) Um, so where are you from? Um, originally, I'm from Charlottesville, Virginia. I now live in the little tiny town of Montrose, which is about <laughs> an hour and a half southeast of D.C. It's got a population of 450 people. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so how was it growing up in Charlottesville? Oh, I had a bucolic childhood. It was wonderful. I grew up mm-hmm. out in the woods um, chasing frogs and building little mud forts for myself and just yeah just running around with my siblings um getting dirty climbing trees exactly (laughs) what you would expect in a rural childhood did you think that you would have a farm when you were growing up like was that a dream of yours (laughs) um no it was not a dream of mine um but now that we're here it's not far off from I guess what I my overall conception of my life would be. Um, I kind of figured that I would stay rural. I actually do really enjoy the city. I went to school in Richmond and I lived in DC and I love the city, but just always kind of figured I'd end up back in the country. My parents also mm-hmm. had um, 40 raised beds when I, it's so a huge garden, so not a farm oh. <laughs> per se, but I was very heavily steeped in plant care and mm-hmm. raising things from the earth. <laughs> cool. Um, so what do you find interesting? Um, well, I'm excited to be on this podcast today because 2020 is my year of focusing on my newest project, which is a blog I created called God vs. the Patriarchy. It mm-hmm. is a project to reclaim Christian identity from the evangelical right, which I think does not do a good job of representing the broad, diverse, and welcoming nature of Christianity as a whole. Mm -hmm. So you were raised Christian, I assume? (laughs) Yeah. um, I was baptized Catholic. I spent... um, some younger years in a Presbyterian and a Baptist church. Um, Like many young adults, drifted away Mm -hmm. from the church for most of my teens and 20s. Um, Felt called back to it, tried a couple of different things out, um, and just happened to land at an Episcopalian church, a very small church. It's called Mm -hmm. St. Augustine's. It's in Washington, D.C., but they were a very passionate congregation and um, really devoted to their social causes, and even though they were a small congregation, were really making a difference in their community, and I admired that, and I admired the ethos of the Episcopalian Church in general. Um, They have ordained women priests. They've been on the forefront of welcoming um, LGBTQ ministers, pastors, um, priests, And um, it just, it felt like a good fit. So now I would say I'm Episcopalian, um, but given how small the community is in Montrose, I currently attend a Methodist church Mm -hmm. um, because it has a program for the girls, whereas the Episcopalian church was like super duper tiny. And I think we were the youngest people (laughs) there by like 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) So do you notice a difference between the Methodist and Methodist in the Episcopalian like services? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, is it a big difference? Um, it not huge in 
I would say, week-to-week practicing, except in the fact that the Episcopalian Church always has communion, which Mm -hmm. I like. Um, The Methodist Church, at least the one that I'm attending, only has it, I think, twice a month, the first and the last Sundays, something like that. Um, But I like the symbolic reminder of communion to happen every Sunday. Every week. Yeah, I think it's a really... um, it's a beautiful ceremony, um, and it's a going through the liturgy of it really reminds you, you know, like what what Jesus was all about, and that Jesus mm-hmm. is with you all the time. And um, I like being able to do it every Sunday. Um, so, what kind of led you back to the church? Hmm. I don't know if I can point to one thing. I can tell you why I started the blog, which may be a Mm -hmm. a slightly different answer, but I think still related. Um, I, I just got, especially with the last election with um, Trump being elected in uh, 2016, just was disgusted by the, uh, really by the hoops you have to jump through to call yourself a Christian and still support some of the atrocious things that he has said um mm-hmm. and and couldn't believe how many people were okay with that disconnect and you know saying saying to love your neighbor in church but then being totally okay with having thousands of children locked up at the border just and not you know not welcoming refugees from anywhere um mm-hmm. it just seems like not not the thing that Jesus would do, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was almost like embarrassed to tell people, yeah, I'm a Christian because I don't want people to, to think be associated like, with yeah, that. It, yeah, exactly. I don't want people to be like, oh, okay. So automatically that means that she hates gay people, hates brown people, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, all these things that are associated particularly with like white evangelical Christianity, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is what a lot of people think of when they see a white woman and hear her saying, I'm a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like this super uptight, judgy bitch. (laughs) I I try so hard not to be that. (laughs) I was thinking like, um, because I feel like when you have kids, it seems to raise them like um to be like compassionate and everything there has to be like a reason behind it and I feel like um that's probably when I'll get back into church like having kids and like wanting them to like be like compassionate people and you know like um I guess that like builds moral character I guess yeah I think that's definitely part of it the other part I like about actually attending a church and maybe it's not for everybody I'm totally cool with people who say you know church isn't for me um (laughs) but I really like the the actual physical community of it too um, and having that built-in support network. Um, I think I've told you the story before, but I'll I'll tell it again briefly. Shortly after we moved here, so Chris and I moved to Montrose um, pursuing the farm. We had an opportunity to access a ton of land for very cheap and um, we went for it. Um, We knew nobody here. And shortly after um, we moved here, uh, the girls and I got a stomach bug, which in the long, long and short of it, like, isn't that big a deal, except that I was really acutely sick. Chris was doing deliveries and there was literally nobody I could call for backup who mm-hmm. wasn't an hour and a half away. Um, Betty was a baby. Marion was two. I put Betty in the crib. I put Marion in front of YouTube and just like let it run for two hours and listen to Betty scream while I had my head in the toilet. (laughs) And I I was thinking like, oh my God, like if I pass out here, if like things go really downhill, there's nothing I can do. Chris is two hours away. Mm -hmm. Like there's, I'm just like stuck here. And so like the very next Sunday I went out church shopping. (laughs) I I need that community like immediately. So, um, so in a very practical sense, I think that's something that, church provides. Um, Mm -hmm. Other people may get it from other places, but um, especially in a small rural community like this, church really is, yeah, yeah, really provides that. Yeah, now I have a a whole phone book list of ladies that I can call should something (laughs) like that happen. (laughs) So um, what's your favorite part of being a mom? 
Um, favorite part of being a mom um, is probably children's books. Um, and it's not, it's not that like my kids are about to go to bed in 15 minutes with who my day is almost over. It's just like, it's such a joy to read such lovely stories and have an excuse <laughs> to look at such wonderful illustrations every night. Yeah. Um, I just, and I love having them snuggled up with me. Like if motherhood could consist of, um, 730 to 745 every single night for me, like I would just be <laughs> in heaven. Oh my gosh. I love, I love reading books with my girls. Mm-hmm. So what's your least favorite part? <laughs> <laughs> the, the ridiculous fights that they get into about oh. nothing. Um, the one <laughs> that is driving me insane right now is the what I've been calling the no yes fight. Um, <laughs> so Marion, so my girls are Marion and Betty, um, and one or the other of them will say something. So Marion will say something like, okay, no school, because it's not a school day, and mm-hmm. um, or she's hoping that it's not a school day when it really <laughs> is. And Betty will say, yes, school. And Marion will say, no, school. And they'll go back and forth like that for a little while. But then it devolves, and Marion will go, okay, no, yes, school. And Betty will, yes, yes, school. No, no, school. Yes, yes, school. And it's just like, and they just go back and forth like, no, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes, no, 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 yes. And I'm like, why are you even, do you even know what you're yelling about anymore? You're just repeating the same two words over and over and getting angrier (laughs) and it just drives me up the wall yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah there's a lot of those like oh little silly fights that you're like really like this is this is the hill that you're gonna die on (laughs) do you remember getting into fights with your siblings about that like with things like that I don't, but mom has a story she likes to tell when we were, me and my brother, who's two years younger than me, got into apparently a very similar fight. There was a building in Charlottesville, I think it was a bank, I'm really not sure, that had an apple on it. And whenever we passed it on 29, which is the main corridor through Charlottesville, so we went on it often doing errands, um, I would say, there's the apple, and Robbie would go, orange. (laughs) <laughs> and and mom said if she didn't catch it fast enough I'd be like no Robbie it's an apple and like, orange and he would just say orange over and over until mom said I would be like screaming with my legs like <laughs> sticking straight out from my car seat like veins turning purple in my head going like it's an and again it's like who cares who cares yeah like it's an icon on a building it is not that big a deal so (laughs) so I think it's just something kids do (laughs) yeah siblings I feel like me and my brother we were like two years apart too and we used to argue a lot when we were younger oh and there's a little noodle hey hold on one second hey Betty can you go get daddy (laughs) so you said you and your brother used to get in fights like that too yeah, I just argue. I don't even know what we ever argued about, but I just remember like <laughs> for like two years where you just argue all the time. Yeah, well, and what's the age difference between you two? Two and a half years. Yeah, it's like the closer you are, I think the more the more prone to argument there's yeah. going to be. Yeah, it's just like you guys are just too close, too close yeah. for your own good. <laughs> There's not enough like room for maturity in that like small span of time. Well, yeah, because Carmen, my sister, is four years younger than me, and she was practically like a plaything. You know, she um, I just enjoyed carrying her around and like you know have any excuse to play with toys for longer than was like cool. You know, so <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. That the close in age siblings, it's gosh, it's really tough. Did you ever want to be a teacher? Um, no, I did not. Um, I, I think I recognized early on that I did not have that amount of patience. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, in fact, I thought, um, I thought that I wanted to be a full-time stay-at-home mom, at least until my girls were both in kindergarten, but Mm -hmm. I have found that I'm actually a much better mom focusing on um first the farm and now um this blog which is you know evolving into a larger project um mm-hmm. and having that dedicated time for myself and my projects um and in my work um and then being able to focus more fully on them 
when I do have them here. So they go to, mm-hmm. well, Marion's, yeah, Marion's in preschool and Betty's in daycare. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I'm much less frustrated <laughs> doing yeah. that. Um, and I think like, it's great if people want to be a stay at home mom, I have like a whole new respect for them, basically like being a stay at home mom dropout myself, but also like <laughs> fully support moms going into the workforce because I, yeah, I didn't realize how much of my own self-worth I derived from it. Mm-hmm. What made you want to be a stay at home mom at first? My mom was a stay at home mom. And like I said, she was amazing at it um she just I'm I'm sure she had hard times doing it but she just made it look so easy and she always had so much fun and just the way she talked about it um you know she remembered those years very fondly being you know Mm -hmm. at home with us and she was always excited to like have snow days we were the house like mom would go around (laughs) she had a four-wheel drive suburban so she would like literally go around and like collect extra kids to bring to her house on a snow day so we would have like you know four or five friends over on any given snow day and it was just like it was so much fun I figured I'd be just like mom (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that does sound awesome yeah yeah right <laughs> so but yeah it's um yeah. it's harder than it looks <laughs> yeah um so how is the farm going farm is going great um it's winter right now and our farm hand is on vacation so it's just chris and i so it's a a little hectic um mm-hmm. a lot of work for two people to do especially two people with kids in tow um but this year should be a year of a lot of growth for the farm so for your listeners who don't know um the name of our farm is sylvan aqua farms we are primarily raising animals right now so we do uh chickens pigs and laying hens um you can find us in far- fresh farm markets around Northern Virginia. We're also in Richmond, and I think we're going to be in Williamsburg next year. Um, and we do door-to-door deliveries. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a year of a lot of growth. Um, we are doubling our laying hens this year. So oh, in wow. March, we will be getting uh, 500 more laying hens I think in addition to the actually I think we're down to like 350 but um in addition to the 350 we have so we'll have close Mm. to a thousand laying hens um yeah yeah it'll be a lot of eggs we'll have two separate (laughs) two separate hen mobiles going around the pastures behind the cows um we are not selling beef right now but we manage a cattle herd um for our landlord um which gets us some nice rent reductions Mm-hmm. So um you guys have pigs also, right? Yes, we have pigs. Um so what do you do with the pigs in the winter? <laughs> I'm just curious. They're out on the field, so we raise heritage breeds. Um mostly they're Osabaw mixes. I think that right now we have some old spots too, some Tamworths, some Berkshires, and then like a mix of any of those four breeds. Um so they're very winter hardy as opposed to I think the those pink pigs are Yorkshire pigs. I don't even know because I've never mm-hmm. raised them, but like the, the <laughs> pink confinement pigs would not survive in our fields. Like they don't have nearly yeah. enough hair, nearly enough foraging ability. Um, but since we raise um, heritage breeds, they're a lot hardier. They're able to survive in winter. They do have shelters that they can go into um, for the worst of it. Mm-hmm. But honestly, most of the time they elect to be out we actually just moved a bunch of pigs around um and when we get pigs from an outside source we leave them in the barn for a little while first so they can kind of like acclimate to the farm and get um their Mm -hmm. get colonized by whatever bacteria the farm has that might be new to them um but as soon as we put them out in the field it was like a 50 degree day it was pretty overcast it had just been raining um and they're immediately like, oh, my gosh, giant mud puddle. Yes. And again, like <laughs> 50 degrees, kind of windy. They're like slopping around in the mud. I'm like, oh, OK, well, if that's what makes you happy, because honestly, that looks horrible to me right now. I'd be yeah. headed for high ground. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they stay that's outside. Funny. OK. And like it snows and like they're just fine in the snow. Yep, they're fine. Wow. They're all fuzzy. They um, 
They don't seem to mind it. Um, if it gets really bad, they'll go into their little shelters. But um, mm. honestly, they're kind of like little kids. They kind of tear around in it and have a lot of fun. And it seems to like energize them. You know, like if you let your dog out in the snow and it like starts running around in yeah. circles, like, oh my gosh, it's so great. <laughs> the pigs are kind of like that too. Yeah. So we talked about like the fact that you guys are like more plant based, even though you have a farm that raises meat. Yeah. Um, what led you to that decision? Um, well, very practically, any meat that I put on my table is um, meat that we have raised or traded for. And so I like literally see the dollars in dollars out. Um, and, you know, like, oh, do I really want to cook chicken breast tonight? Because I could be selling that <laughs> package of chicken breast for eleven dollars. So maybe we'll do lentil soup instead. Um, but, yeah. but that, so that's part of it. But then also, um, Chris is the one who did most of the research on this, but the eat Lancet report, um, is a, a guideline for, um, for human and planetary health. I encourage everybody to look it up. It gets a bad rap because people are like, oh my God, it's vegan. It's not. It accounts for meat. It actually allows for a lot of dairy, but the kind of headline grabber is that it's like one hamburger a week is your meat allotment. Um, but it, mm-hmm. it goes into a lot more detail than that. We are not perfect followers of the Eat Lancet diet. I think you need to... Um, tailor it to what makes sense for you. Um, And since we are farmers that raise meat and farmers that raise eggs, we're clearly going to eat more of those things than maybe what the Eat Lancet report um, requires because they've been raised in a responsible manner and they've been raised locally. So in order to get, say, like um, oranges in cereal, which may be more in keeping with the guidelines of an Eat Lancet breakfast, um, Mm -hmm. eggs are going to make more sense for us because just like the, the net, like the net carbon usage for eggs from our chickens versus, um, you know, transporting and harvesting and making that cereal and orange juice, um, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So like I said, yeah. kind of like tailor it. Um, but I'm, I'm getting off track here, but yes, we, um, we eat plants, um, for ethical reasons that are different than vegetarian reasons as it seems more, um, it seems like the more environmentally responsible thing to do. And, um, mm-hmm. and also, yes, because it is the more responsible thing for my pocketbook. So I can keep selling that <laughs> instead of just eating my own profits. <laughs> Um, what's your favorite meal that you've made with, um, the things that you guys have grown on the farm? Um, there is a recipe and I'm so sorry. I can't remember the name of the, the chef, but I, I make it multiple times every winter. It's called, um, African peanut stew and it's a tomato and peanut based stew that uses, um, chicken legs and chicken thighs in the Mm -hmm. slow cooker. Um, and it's great. It's like, you can, you can make it as spicy as you want. You know, it has peppers in it. So often I make it very mild for the girls and just like slice the Serrano peppers up to put fresh on top. Um, but it's Mm -hmm. just like this really warm stick to your ribs meal and it's in a slow cooker. So like you can make it before work and it's ready when you come home. And it's just the, um, I love anything with peanut butter. Um, right yeah (laughs) um and it's just like everybody everybody loves it even if you aren't like a huge fan of dark meat um in the slow cooker it just gets so tender and falls apart that um yeah that people don't who didn't like dark meat all of a sudden kind of like it (laughs) (laughs) dark meat is the best I love chicken thighs (laughs) (laughs) thighs are yeah thighs are for sure my favorite part of the bird but I would say for chicken that would be it for pork I mean I am a fan of barbecue any way shape or form um and my slow cooker Mm -hmm. this is another slow cooker recipe I'll just like dump a a Boston butt or something in there if we have this is a company dish because again I'm not going to like just make a Boston butt for us on a random Wednesday but (laughs) put it in there with um like brown sugar ketchup and a whole bunch of rum and just let it like cook down over the course of the day and then when you drain Mm -hmm. that um drain that sauce off and reduce it um in the in the pan um to pour over the shredded meat it's just like so yummy 
Yeah, that sounds delicious. <laughs> I'll have to try something like that soon. Yeah. I've been trying to like um, branch out more with like cooking and everything this year. So well, I'm excited. Like to try I things. said, slow cookers are where it's at because you can throw it all together in the morning before work and then it's ready when you come home. Yeah. Yeah, I have an Instant Pot, but I've used it like once. Oh, I haven't <laughs> used an Instant Pot. I have people, uh, friends of mine who are like devoted to their Instant Pot. They're like, you know, serious spread the word about Instapot sort of people. But um, I, yeah, I yeah. don't own one. Um, yeah, they look pretty cool. Yeah, they, they are. But it's just like, um, I was talking about this on the last podcast that I did, but it's like a little complicated getting how to know how it works, like oh, with like the gotcha. pressure cooker and everything. Okay. And yeah, so. Yeah, a little learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I do need to try some more recipes. Do you have any new things that you're trying to try for 2020? Um. The the blog is the biggest one. Okay, um, yeah. yeah, pursuing that. I um, I mean, I've been so the way I have the blog set up is I, I read the Bible chapter by chapter. It was originally called a liberal Christian reads the Bible, but um, branding needed to be stronger than that. Um, so now it's mm-hmm. God versus the patriarchy. And so in the <laughs> kind of in the spirit of that, um, that broader uh that broader take, I'm going to start doing some book reviews. Um, I've been reading a lot more lately. Uh, my blog post that I just put up today actually is 36 minority writers who need to be on your reading list. So um, I looked for recommendations from people because I, I realized like all of my backup reading that I was doing, it was like all by middle-aged straight white guys and there's some really great Mm. writers out there who are middle-aged straight white guys but I was like this 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 is not reflective of my own experience as a Christian woman and I would like to see more of myself and I bet that there's other people out there who are not straight white men who also have good things to say (laughs) so I compiled a little list for myself and I'm I'm going to be reading off of that list heavily this year so maybe more reading maybe more reading is what I'm undertaking in 2020 (laughs) yeah I think I'm I'm gonna try to do that also. Um I just joined a book club. Oh nice. But um yeah, I tried yeah. Is there a is there a theme? (laughs) Is there a theme to your book club or is it just like, you know, whatever any week? Yeah, it's like whatever. Um so it's like Mm -hmm. pick they pick a new book every month and Mm -hmm. you're supposed to read it throughout the month and they just kind of vote on the book. It's no real theme about it. That's cool, that's Um, great. Right now Yeah, right now we're reading um Jane Goodall's book, the in the shadow of a man, I think. Oh yeah, no, like I've that. never, um, I've never read any of Jane Goodall's work. Oh, that sounds good. You'll have to let me know how it is. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, last year I had the goal to read more, and I ended up like reading Michelle Obama's book for like nine months. I was like, I did not expect <laughs> this to take me this long, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> well, yeah, it can it can get like that sometimes when you have outside commitments like everything everything for me just like drops in the summer I just like stop you know just like disappear Mm -hmm. because it's high farming season so yeah I hear you on that where it's like oh my gosh I've been reading this book which is like (laughs) all that long but I've been reading it for like forever now (laughs) because I can only read three pages every week (laughs) yeah do you feel like you have a lot of free time working on a farm um working hmm that's probably a multi-part answer so actual (laughs) farm work um we are getting to that point yes um Mm -hmm. especially in the winter right now it's like morning chores take an hour and a half afternoon chores take an hour and a half there may be a project Mm -hmm. here or there that you need to work on um now that yeah now that things are a little bit uh, yeah a little bit more under control we've kind of like got uh, we're done building things because you know last last winter we were like building more pens and building another hen mobile like there was so much stuff that needed to be like caught up to speed um, but now that we don't have that there is a little bit more time as far as farming chores mm-hmm. go um, farm promotion uh, no there's still a lot that needs to be done um, so so yeah, that, and then throwing kids on top of that. Um, True. yeah, it's like, you know, free time. I, I wake up at, um, I, I wake up at five or five thirty in the morning to have free time. <laughs> Are you a morning person? 
I am. Yeah. So that's, yeah, oh, I, I like shut down after the girls go to bed. I always have like huge ideas about being able to get stuff done after they, um, after they go to bed. But, um, it's like the, the, the story time, man, the story time works on me too. It's like, I read those stories. <laughs> I tuck them in yeah. tight. I snuggle them. I'm like, Oh man, it's like eight o'clock. Gosh, I think, I think I might just need to like lay down. Lay down. <laughs> so, so no, I don't. I yeah, I don't get much done in the evenings. Um, very, mm. very rarely. So yeah, it has to be in the mornings for me. Oh. Um, so you talked about um, promotion for the farm. Yeah. How did you did you guys like hire anybody to like um I guess figure out how to like market or have you just kind of been doing it yourself? Chris and I are lucky in the fact that we are both kind of natural self promoters. Um, I ran a, a nonprofit um, when I was living in DC and I've like, yeah, with, with basically with all my jobs, I've kind of like had to get out there and hustle. So it's something that comes naturally to me. Um, mm-hmm. Chris is a very gifted writer. So um, once his first article went viral a couple years ago he's um you know people keep coming back for more um and Mm -hmm. they they want to keep seeing what he's writing so just by the very nature of his writing um he's been able to uh get a lot of eyes on the farm um Mm -hmm. and yeah he's he's always like looking at what voids need to be filled, like how we can make those connections. He's just good at recognizing those sort of patterns. Um, so we've, we've done it ourselves mostly. I think we're getting to the point where we're, as the farm gets bigger, we're going to have to outsource some of it, just one due to time, two, we're kind of like hitting the outer envelopes of our expertise too. Um, so, so mm-hmm. yeah, for now it's us, but I imagine in the future it will, um, it will be somebody else, at least in part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you know of anybody in marketing who wants to get into farming, send them <laughs> my way. <laughs> I always think it's so interesting how, um, how much social media has done for, I guess, like small businesses yeah. and everything. And like the fact that you can just like do marketing yourself, just you like know? get out there. Yeah, exactly. If it's something that you're comfortable with. And again, yeah, Chris and I are very comfortable with it. He comes from a software development background and I come from an arts background. So yeah, any, anything with pictures, I was like, Instagram, hell yeah, this is my medium. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, it is, it's really cool. Kind of it can be the great equalizer. I'm actually a huge fan mm-hmm. of social media. I think it gets a bad rap. There are definitely some bad parts of it, but by and large, I think it's had a positive influence on my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always have like a love hate relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like, it keeps you connected to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also is like, it feels like there's a wall between the actual connection. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's like a glass, like a window maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we've had the good fortune of a lot of our Instagram friends becoming real life friends. Like people come out and mm-hmm. visit the farm and we have that benefit of like, oh, there's actually like something to visit. Um, So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, somebody who finds us on Instagram can be like, oh my God, you're having an event. Yes. Let me come and check that out. And so, mm-hmm. and so they do that. Um, So we do have that benefit. One of the things I'm really encouraged by is how um young people and people not that much younger than me but young enough to have like grown up with iPhones in their house I didn't get my first iPhone until I was 24 um but like you know the yeah (laughs) but like the um the 19 year old who interned with us over the summer grew up with smartphones in her house you know and like I forget when she got her first smartphone but like it's it's something that she's been versed in from a very young age. And um, whereas I think people my age maybe like have jumped into online life a lot faster and like maybe not thinking about the consequences. Um, People who are a little bit younger than me seem to like, not saying that they don't make mistakes, but I think that they have more of that sense of like, okay, these are the boundaries I need to set for myself. And I understand that it's going to be out there forever. And mm-hmm. yeah, they, um, I'm encouraged by the digital literacy of, of young people. 
It's interesting that um, you say that because it seems like in a way the social media is making them more honest, I guess, more forthcoming about who they are and like what they represent. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could see that you're able to find like minded communities that much faster. Um, So I think you're Mm -hmm. able to to kind of like dive into those issues that that interests you and um, define yourself within that community a little bit more, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch. It's something I think about a lot with my girls. They're only two and four now, but you know, Betty already knows how to work an <laughs> iPhone and like wants to take selfies and like, and, and like gets it, you know, like gets what's happening with, with the phone and, Um, especially with it. She's an Instagram girl, just like her mom. Um, (laughs) uh, And so, um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see like how, how they progress um, using the phone and and how it affects how they view themselves and how they present themselves to the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think, I think it gives you a lot of, um, if you're smart about it, it gives you a lot of ability to kind of control how you, how you present yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And 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 it also has a lot of opportunities. I'm sorry. No. And just, and just finding the truth in that, like you were saying Mm -hmm. about like being honest. Yeah. I find social media interesting also because um, the amount of like, I guess people giving out like, free content in a way, Mm -hmm. like different, like um, business owners, just like, you know, um, giving their tips on Twitter, um, home chefs, like, you know, just making meals and like showing how they like prepare their meals. I think it's like really interesting um, for that because I've started like following those people on Twitter and like getting inspired by like seeing what they're posting. Oh my gosh. Chris and I learned how to farm on the internet, like watching YouTube videos. No joke. I, we, we learned how to build chicken coops. We learned how to, um, you know, like do chicken processing. We've learned, I, I do the castration on the farm. I've literally learned how to castrate from a YouTube video, you know, like, yeah. Um, we, yeah, you can learn so, so much. And yeah, the amount of information that is out there free is really encouraging to me as a farmer Mm -hmm. and sometimes a little discouraging as a writer. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like so much out there. I don't even know why I'm bothering to write. Like it's something (laughs) that I hope to, if not make a living at one day, at least like, you know, offset some costs with one day. Mm -hmm. But there are, you know, there's people out there who still make a living at it um, somehow. So I guess- I, I guess just once you hit that critical mass, it starts happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, do you have any advice? <laughs> do you have any advice for um, like people who want to start farming or like who want to get more involved, I guess, like with local farms? Yeah. Um, my advice in everything is start small. Um, you know, you're, there's, there's a lot of problems and there's a lot of projects in the world. What, whichever side you're coming at it from, whether you're trying to solve a problem or start a new project. Um, Mm -hmm. And they can't all be done by one person, let alone in one day. So start small and, you know, give yourself a little bit of grace. Um, But that being said, Chris and I are ecstatic to talk to young farmers, um, young, any, any young farmers, but particularly young women farmers or farmers of color who may feel like it is, um, it's not a, it's not a world that they see themselves reflected in a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. because we are women, (laughs) you know, I, I am a woman farmer. He is a farmer of color. Um, and we've, we've made all the mistakes we've, uh, well, not all of them, but we've made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) Um, and we, would love to help people not make those mistakes. (laughs) So, you know, find find people to talk to. Um, If you want to get into farming, the opportunities are out there if you search for them. Um, A lot of Chris's writing makes it sound like they are not out there. And that is true to a certain degree. Like, yes, it is much easier if you are born white and inherit a 500 acre farm and, you know, have that, that money that you can then leverage into like buying new tractors and buying more seeds. So, you know, your, 
if if you're a young farmer that doesn't have those opportunities, your path to farming may look different, but that doesn't mean that it's any less valid. Um, and you're just going to have to define that that path for yourself. Um, and again, it is something that we would love to help people define if they are mm-hmm. if they are truly passionate about going into farming. Cool. Have you guys thought about doing any classes or anything? Uh, not, oh, actually, yeah, um, I forgot, Chris, um, Chris is doing a farming seminar, um, I think in May, it is very small, um, there are only six seats, I think it may already be half sold out, um, but if you go to the website, sylvanaqua.com, it should, if it is still, if there are still open seats, it is listed there, um, and I imagine given the response, because he literally put it out there like two weeks ago and it's already half sold out. Um, given the response to it, I imagine that it's something that we will do again. But this is uh, basically a weekend class that gives you full access to the farm, full access to Chris, and it's been kept intentionally small so people can really, you know, pepper him with questions, get in there and try it themselves. You know, not one of these... Um, big farm weekends that some other farms do where you yeah you like get to look at everything but may not get to try it for yourself and may not be able to ask the farmer a series of like 10 questions in a row um so yeah Yeah, we are hands-on experience exactly it's a very hands-on experience and it is um it is available for um for people sorry i heard a a kid whining out there and got distracted from my life (laughs) Um, but yeah yeah so we are we are starting to do some teaching or chris is starting to do some teaching (laughs) will there be a pig castration class in this (laughs) (laughs) you know uh, i don't know i don't know i guess we could we could go if people like really want to learn um i I would tell you like as as a woman, it was like strangely empowering to be able to do this. Thing. Like, I, I'm not going to say it's my favorite farm store for sure, because you are like, you know, you're basically performing surgery on an animal. Um, and it, it's, yeah, not, not my favorite job, but I also really have to admit to like being able to say like, yeah, I castrate things as part of my day job. So, <laughs> yeah. Things you'd never thought you'd say going into farming. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how was the transition from like a nine to five to like the farm life? Um, constant. Uh, the I, I mean, like I said, with the farm chores, there are breaks. Your day just looks very different um, mm-hmm. when you have a nine to five job and when you have a farming job and much more fluid, which is something that. I thought I would enjoy more. Um, I thought I thought there would be more of a um, more of a set rhythm in farm life, which as somebody who loves schedules, I would enjoy. Mm. Um, but there is a set rhythm, but it changes so much throughout the year. So like you always have to go do morning chores, which involves feeding everybody and opening up nest boxes, but depending on the time of year, that can either be 5.30 in the morning or 7.30 in the morning because it, mm-hmm. it moves with the sunrise. And then same with um, same with close-up. You know, in the winter, we're done, we're done with everything by 5 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. But in the summer, when the sun isn't setting until 9 o'clock, you got to wait until 9.15 to go close up the hens um, because Mm -hmm. they're still running around in the field until that time. Um, So everything is the same, but it's also always different. Um, And that I think is the, the largest difference than a a regular nine to five job Mm -hmm. is that your, your schedule is so flexible. Does that make it hard to like, um, I guess like, operate in the real world time where everything is like on a set schedule? (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, yes and no, because, uh, especially, um, I, I guess, especially in the summer, like during the high heat of the day when you're trying actively to avoid 
farm work because you don't want to be out in 90 degrees and you try to get everything done in the mornings or in the evenings, you do have a large chunk of time on weekdays, probably a larger chunk of time than like most nine to fivers have to like get business done, you know, like go to your doctor's appointments or stop by the bank or like whatever those errands are that you need to do during regular nine to five times. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say we have more of that time, but we also Mm -hmm. have no holidays like animals always need to be fed like christmas new year's it's thanksgiving they're all just another day for us um yeah Yeah. so so i guess you lose some of those like some of those larger movements of time in a way yeah like we've literally Mm -hmm. had holidays sneak up on us and be like oh yeah that's right that is is. i forgot about that Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like there, like, yeah. Like no weekends. Like wow. Yep. Okay. Everything has to be fed on Saturday. Everything has to be fed on Sunday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, which is something that we're hoping to uh, change. We're hiring at least two people this year, so we're um, hoping to give ourselves and in addition um, our workers a little bit more time off. So it may not. It still may not be a Saturday and a Sunday, but we're hoping that we will get more regular time off mm-hmm. since we'll have more help around the farm. Yeah. And be able to take some vacation days. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, um, you talked about like art before. Mm-hmm. Um, what type of art do you do? Oh yeah. Um, nothing right now. Um, <laughs> no, I would say actually that's, that's not true. I do a lot of sketching and I actually love drawing with markers and crayons. Um, mm-hmm. something I, I knew before I had kids, but something that <laughs> I can do a lot more now that I have kids because I have yeah. lots, of, lots of said materials. Um, yeah, I went to school. I went I went to college for painting and printmaking. Um, printmaking was my great love in school. Um, but etching presses are expensive. Copper plates even mm-hmm. more so. Um, so without access to the free studio at school, I, I've kind of dropped most of my printmaking. Um, but continue to do a lot of sketching. Um, and it's it's just stuff for myself. Um, I've given a few pieces away to friends and family. In fact, if you ever see anything that I don't post as much on Instagram anymore last year, the mm-hmm. year before I did the, a hashtag Annie draws 365 and, um, was trying to do like daily sketches. Um, mm-hmm. might be something that I pick back up again in the future. Um, I, I like the thought of doing that, but, um, yeah, I, I give it away to friends and family who are interested um and cool. yeah yeah just something that I kind of do for myself now um yeah I'm trying to like um get back into old hobbies now mm, so mm-hmm. yeah like photography it's like I really oh, I remember want to, you mentioning um, the photography well yeah and you came out and you took some pictures around here too yeah yeah I still have to look through them I'm like I love the like actual act of like photography and like taking the picture and getting the shot uh-huh. but like when it comes to like editing and everything it's just that's where like I'm trying to get better at it. that's so funny it really seems like there's a real divide between photographers who like really enjoy the actual picture taking part and then there's people who are like all about editing <laughs> they're mm-hmm. like the like yeah. that image is just kind of like the raw source material like now let's get into the real exactly. business of editing and this is the fun part <laughs> yeah that yeah. is it's kind of funny. I need to like a partner that does that. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, that's that's cool. I, I like that. I, I think everybody can benefit from art. I remember seeing an article that says art art is healthy for you, even if you're bad at it. So I think I just butchered that, but that's basically like the the gist of it. It's like, it's like do just do art, just do it. It doesn't matter yeah, if it's good, just do it. And yeah, having been in the like kind of hoity-toity art world, I'm 100% for people just like, you know, doing the art that makes them happy, buying the art that makes it happy. It doesn't matter if it's like something that a New York gallery would carry or not. Like it's hanging on your wall. So if it makes you happy, then Mm -hmm. that's what matters. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I need for my, um, my house now I've got like, um, yeah, I've like, um, I'm getting settled now. So I'm mm-hmm. like looking at the walls and I'm like, I need something to put on them, but like yeah. besides mirror. You know? <laughs> <Yeah. So. laughs> 
Well, like I said, I've got a whole portfolio of sketches. They are mostly of my girls and dogs, but if anything appeals to you. Yeah. So the last question that I have for you is, do you have any questions for me? I have so many questions for you. <laughs> um, but I will, I will start with this one um, because it's something as a follower of your podcast that I, I want to hear more about what, uh, what got you started on doing the podcast? Um, happy hour, basically. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, like, so I would like go to happy hour and I would like sit down and have conversations with people. Uh-huh. And, um, then I was just like thinking like, it would be really interesting to like actually record these conversations. Like, because as I'm learning, you know, like learning things from these strangers, um, other people could probably learn things too. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm realizing now that I've always been a person that likes to like record things, especially like audio things. Mm-hmm. Cause in college, um, um, me and my when me and my friends were like hang out, like I would just like be like, okay, guys, like just let's just record ourselves and like just you know <laughs> have that to play it back. I don't know, like as a memory or something. Uh huh. But I realized that it's always like been something that I've been, I guess, kind of obsessed with. No, <laughs> oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I love the idea of getting to like meet, meet new people every week. I've enjoyed listening to some of them. I think I told you that I'm going to, when I get to that point, I'm going to reach out to one of your earlier podcast guests and see if maybe I can collaborate with them too. So I think it's pretty cool. Thank you. It's weird this year. I've only been able to um, secure female guests. <laughs> it just so, so happens. Yeah, it's, the, it's the year of the woman, apparently. Nice. Like. I like it. <laughs> that's so funny yeah funny how that works out okay well cool do you have any other questions um lots but I hear a tantrum starting up so maybe I'll just leave it at the one now um the name of your the name of your realtor because your place is awesome um oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't think I'm buying BC real estate anytime soon, but, um, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be hitting you up for that. (laughs) I think this is the year to do it. If like, yeah, because after this year, I think it's just going to be crazy. Right. (laughs) But, um, do you have any social media you'd like to plug? Yeah, sure. So the blog is God versus BS, the patriarchy.com. I am also on Twitter and Instagram under the same handle, God vs. the Patriarchy. Um, the blog, or I'm sorry, the farm is Sylvanaqua Farms. That is S-Y-L-V-A-N-A-Q-U-A. And it's sylvanaqua.com. And Sylvanaqua Farms is on Twitter and Instagram as well as Sylvanaqua Farms. Cool. And um, any projects that you're working on? I know the um, blog. Yeah. Um, but anything else that you want to mention? Um, no, those are the big ones, the, the farm and the blog, um, and just raising two littles. So mama, <laughs> mama's hit me up too. I've got some, I've got some mom posts on Instagram for sure. And, um, and two pit bulls. So pit bull lovers, you'll, you'll see some cute pibbles on there as well. Cool. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you. Um, I've enjoyed being on. I'm so glad we got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you guys would like to follow the podcast, you can do that at NTMY Podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. If you would like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do that on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, or just something that you want to share, then you can send those emails to ncmypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next week.